Welcome to the Abundant Life Podcast. This is Pastor Derry. Spiritual maturity is often a misunderstood subject in the Christian faith, and many times it can be considered as the attainment of knowledge or new levels of understanding. It can also be thought of as coming with time, title, or position. But the truth is, spiritual maturity is not about the acquisition of knowledge, but it is about our growing in awareness of the presence of God. Today, we continue our series on the presence of God with a message titled, Spiritual Maturity. Listen in, take notes, and I'll talk with you at the end of the broadcast. May you delight on the inside, on the inside of me. Come fill my life on the inside, on the inside of me. Hallelujah. Because all I want is for you, for you to be glorified. For you to be lifted high, all I want is for you, for you to be glorified, for you to be lifted high, all I want is for you, for you to be glorified. For you to be lifted high, all I want is for you, for you to be glorified, for you to be lifted high. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this day. We thank you that your name will be glorified in all the earth. Lord, we desire as your people to see your name glorified. We thank you that we love not our lives, even to the death, but we declare that we love you, Lord. We thank you right now in the name of Jesus, Lord, that your desire is to inhabit the praises of your people. And your desire is to be with your people to inhabit us. We thank you that your desire, O God, is not a religious system, but a gathering of people who you dwell among. Dwell with us today. Feed us what you desire. Show us your way. Give us your grace in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor, I want to be spiritually mature. Is that true? Amen. I know you do. I know everybody, all of us desire to be spiritually mature. It is is the heart's desire of people to grow spiritually and to understand. And and whether you're a Christian or not, people seek spiritual maturity. And people who don't, don't even believe in God that seek spiritual maturity. Because uh, um, among my fellow atheists, back in the days, we all believed in spirit, but I didn't believe in God. It's two different things. 
We believe in spirit as the force of life that's in everybody. Everybody's got a spirit. We believe that. But I didn't believe that there was a God or creator or maker. I believe that there was a bang that happened out in space and that bang put everything in place. And here we are. Praise the Lord. But I don't believe in God. (laughs) I most certainly believed in the scientific evidence that there was a big bang and that that's how everything got here. But I always had the problem. I had to answer the question, who started the bang? (laughs) It's a quandary that all atheists face. That you have to deal with it, but it's easier just to go back to hard scientific data that says that there's evolution and just stay there. Not take everything to its logical conclusion. (laughs) Because even if you believe in evolution, you have to believe that there is a creation. It's not even logical for there to be evolution and not to be a starting point somewhere. So that's why we like to argue about bones and fossils when we were atheists. Acts chapter 1, spiritual maturity. We're going to talk about today. We've been talking about the four chairs, and I'm going to put the chairs out here in just a second. But before I put the chairs out there, I want your focus on something very interesting. Acts chapter 1, and we've been going there over and over and over again over the last several weeks. And If you haven't been with us, I'll catch you up really quickly after I make a little point. Acts chapter 8, excuse me, Acts chapter 1, verse 8 says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria to the end of the earth. Very interesting things here. Jesus told his disciples after they'd been following him for three, three and a half years, seen him die, seen him rise from the dead, and then he tells them, you're going to receive power. He told them that they were going to receive power after they had asked him, Lord, is this the time you're going to establish the kingdom? And he said, it's not for you to know that. You're asking me the wrong question. So let me tell you what the right answer is, and you can make your own question." And the answer is, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So now, what's your question? (laughs) You're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you're going to be witnesses to me. Now, what is your question? I, I took this class in college once, and the first day of class, the instructor pulled out an answer sheet And he handed out the answer sheets. (laughs) And he said, all these are the answers to the final exam. And we all got excited. Woo, oh man, we got the answers on the first day of class. But now you have to figure out the questions. (laughs) He was tricky. He was a tricky one, man. Here's all the answers. Now you figure out the questions. And I submit to you, that's what God has done to us. God has taken Jesus, had him die on the cross, filled him with the Spirit of God by raising him from the dead. He comes back, tells his disciples, and teaches them about the kingdom. Then as he's going up, ascending into heaven, he tells them, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. Behold, I'll be with you even to the end of the age. 
tells them you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be witnesses to me. And they're standing there looking like, what just happened? He gave them all the answers right there and then ascended into heaven. And then the angel said, why are you guys standing here? (laughs) He just gave you the answers. The Jesus that you saw go up, he's coming back again. Now go. (laughs) Go and do what? Go meditate on these answers till you understand the questions. Spiritual maturity is our enter or our entrance into the questions. Spiritual maturity is us entering into the questions for the answer that God has given us. That he will be with us. That his power is available. That all these things that he gives us answers, our spiritual maturity is our journey into the questions, not to the answers. Jesus is the answer. (laughs) Your journey is to discover what the question is. And if you understand that, then when you start entering into problems, you understand that actually what I'm actually entering into, I'm entering into a question that I already have an answer for. (laughs) Amen. I'm going to shake your thinking today. You already have the answers. Tell your neighbor, say, I have the answer. I just need the question. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move slowly today. Sometimes I rush. Today, I'm going to move slowly, methodically. Amen? I want you to make a little note here. We're going to bring something up about spiritual maturity, a little statement about spiritual maturity. Spiritual maturity is the spiritual uh, is about growth and fruitfulness and less about levels, titles and time. Spiritual growth is about growth or spiritual maturity rather is about growth and fruitfulness, less about time, less about titles and less about levels. Sometimes we like to categorize people as being at levels of spiritual maturity. And I'm not telling you not to use the word level, but I want you to understand that levels are not the factor here. And sometimes we level, we we like to put people in levels of categories. And even the four chairs, as we put these out, these chairs are not levels. These are chairs are stages of awareness. It is about growing in our awareness of the presence of God. A truly spiritual mature person is a person who's aware that God is with them all the time. And that he's the answer. (laughs) A spiritually mature person understands that God is with me all the time and he is the answer. So bring on your questions. I hope y'all with me on this. Chair number four, going backwards. Chair number four represents the indwelling presence of God. It represents when I, as a Christian, 
enter into a level of maturity that I recognize that God's desire was to fill me with his spirit and seek me in heavenly places in Christ. That I'm filled with his spirit, I'm seated in heavenly places, and because I'm aware I am in this chair, because I'm aware of his presence, I'm aware that he's with me. My expectation that all of who God is is available and accessible to me as I'm here. The problem for every Christian is we have trouble maintaining that awareness all the time. And so sometimes when we're at that point when our awareness is not there, we wait for God to talk to us, to come and visit us, so that Fourth chair is the indwelling of presence of God, my awareness of his indwelling and his presence in me all the time. The third chair is my understanding that God will visit me and talk to me. And sometimes we can go from the understanding that God is with us all the time to waiting for God to speak and talk to us. Is it evil? No. It's a human tendency. Is the person sitting in the third chair spiritually mature? Right, because it's not levels. Yes, you can be a mature Christian sitting in the third chair. There's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. If you're in Christ, you're in Christ, amen? There's no levels to being in Christ. When you're in Christ, if you... If you were at a club in the middle of the best party you ever had, you was off the chain. You had everything in you could be in you. And you was going for it. You was, ah! you was all having, oh, you, was, you just did everything you could that night. And you walked out the club and somebody handed you a track and said, Jesus love you. said, I receive it. You're in Christ. And God doesn't make any distinction between you walking out of that club high as a Chinese kite. Amen. And the person who's been living down here all their life. As a matter of fact, Jesus told a parable. He said that there was a laborer, a, a man who was hiring laborers. And he hired some laborers, and they started at the crack of dawn. And they worked all day long. And there are some people that are close to the end of the day. He hired them too. And when the time came at the end of the day to settle up with everybody, he gave the people who started at the beginning and the people who started at the last the same thing. And the people who started first got mad. <laughs> because they're trying to apply human logic to kingdom situations. And they don't understand God's not interested in levels of Christians. God's interested in believers who become part of a single body of Christ, who become unified and one together so that there is a head, yes, but there's also that pinky toe. That pinky go, toe goes somewhere, we all crying. My toe. <laughs> Woo. The, the, the head is crying at the loss of the pinky toe. Don't forget that. <laughs> Amen. 
Chair four represents that indwelling awareness, awareness of the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit who comes when a believer receives Christ and is magnified as we get deeper into Christ so that we not only get filled the first time, but we are ever filled continually by the Spirit of God. Amen? Be being filled by the Spirit. Amen? Yes, you got the Holy Spirit when you got saved. But guess what? The Holy Spirit wants to continually fill you and wash you, continually be in you. How do you do that? Through your prayers, through your fasting, through your continually doing the Spirit, what we call the spiritual disciplines. Those things keep you in that place, and the Spirit fills you. And He might fill you to the overflow one day that you mind in your own business, and tongues starts coming out of you. Oh, my God, am I speaking in tongues? Yes, you are. But I don't believe in tongues. Don't believe in the Bible. That's up to you. (laughs) But it's a filling of the Spirit. It's a spirit of the the filling of the Spirit that results in an outpour and overflow in you that goes past your personal level of control. I gave my life to the Lord and I was on E because I was an atheist. I didn't have anything in there. And they prayed for me that night, and I got full, and I started speaking in tongues when I grew up in a Baptist church where nobody spoke in tongues. I had no reason to think or wonder how I was going. I had no way to imagine that tongues was anything at all. But all of a sudden, I got saved, and I was speaking in tongues. What? Where did that come from? It came from the Lord. What happened that night to me is I went from the first chair, which I'm going to put on the second, to the fourth chair the same night with no experience, having cursed God, having done all kinds of stupid stuff in my life. I went from somebody who doesn't even believe that there's a God and experiencing God only at his presence, his level of omnipresence, the fact that he's just out there somewhere. And I don't even want to believe that, but I do believe that there's some kind of force out here somewhere because that's how people live. But I'm not going to call it God because it doesn't have a personality. It can't have a personality. Atoms don't have personality. So... The world is made of atoms and molecules. They don't have personality, so they can't, God can't have a personality. Y'all thought I said Adam. I said <laughs> atoms. My enunciation. Let me get my enunciation. Atoms do not have personalities. I can see people look on people's faces like, he didn't have a personality. <laughs> yes. Adam had a personality. Atoms did not. So if you don't want to put a face on God, you don't want to say that God exists, you have to Believe, you can't deny that there's substances. You can't deny that there's light and electrons. You can't deny those things. But you don't want to offer that God is there. So I just believe that there's a presence out there, but not that there's a presence called God. So as we grow and mature spiritually and find ourselves at different stages and different times in this chair down here, Our spiritual maturity causes something to occur. 
Because more you're aware of God, the more you are aware of God, the more you start seeing what God sees. <laughs> see, the more you, the more, you see, you hang out with certain people and you start seeing stuff. I grew up playing basketball and baseball and football. And then one day, there was a guy who lived down the street from me that was coach at Laney College. And he said, hey, come to the game with me. So I went and I sat on the bench and I'm watching the game like I usually watch the game. And he said, no, come here, come here, sit behind me. And he made me sit on the bench behind me. And then I started seeing what he saw. <laughs> see, I was just watching people running up and down the floor. I see a shot and I see this. Then I start hearing, so you didn't set the screen. Hey, hey, come on, man to man, come on. I start hearing him calling out aspects of the game, and now I start realizing when my coach was telling me this, that's what I'm supposed to see. Why? Because hanging out with someone who sees stuff makes you see stuff too. When you grow spiritually and you start hanging out with God, you start being in God's presence more, you'll start seeing things that you haven't seen before. You'll start seeing things you didn't expect to see because God will reveal them to you. <laughs> Amen. Paul sat in that chair and Paul said, oh, I was having visions. I'm having dreams. I got caught up to the third heaven. Lord, can you remove this thorn from my side? My, I got a thorn in my flesh. Lord, take it away. And the Lord said, nope, I'm not taking it away. Because I'm, you're so close to me, you're seeing stuff, I need you to remember you're human. Yeah, I'm going to let you know, my grace is sufficient for you, and my strength is going to be made perfect in your weakness, but I need to keep a little weakness in you so you don't get caught up. <laughs> Tell your neighbor, say, ooh, that's why that thorn is there. <laughs> Amen. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. The more you hang with God, the more you start seeing what God sees. Not because you're better than other people, but because you're in his presence. Let's talk about spiritual maturity. If you took our new members class, you're aware of this. Let's bring up that graphic. You guys have seen this a million times, right? <laughs> This graphic represents the process that people go through toward maturity. And it always begins the same way. It always begins with common information. Information is readily available. We live in the information age. Everybody's got information. Do you know why kids act crazy right now? Do you know why kids don't, don't have no respect for authority right now? Because sometimes they have more information than the authority does because they Googled it while we're trying to figure it out. <laughs> See, when I was growing up, you had to ask for information and there could be gatekeepers who would maybe or maybe not give you information if your behavior was right. These kids don't have to ask you nothing. They will go on YouTube and figure out what you, you thought it was a secret and they got it on YouTube. This is grandmama's secret sauce. No, it ain't. My grandmama, I, 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 I YouTubed it. I, I know what it is. It's nutmeg. <laughs> I know your secret ingredient. I got it. I got it off of YouTube. 
This is the information age. Information and knowledge is common. <laughs> you can get information anywhere. The Bible says this in the book of Proverbs chapter 1. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools will despise both wisdom and instruction. And what's happening is we have a generation of people who've been trained to have information without context. And you can Google anything, you can YouTube anything, but that doesn't give you a context for what it means and how it works. Context is found in Revelation, which is the next level of your maturity. Yeah, you got information, but you need Revelation to get a context of what it is you're being explained. What's, what's coming to you? What are, what are you being told? And so when we are in maturity, it's because we have gone through a process to be here. You don't get here just because you're deep. You don't get here because somebody gave you a certificate. You can't, you can't get here because you took the right classes. You can't get here because that's knowledge-based. You have to get here through a process of coming from knowledge to getting supernatural revelation. And once you get revelation, which is God showing you what he sees and inviting you to see what he sees. But once you see what God sees, now you have what's called a responsibility. A responsibility means that you have to apply or not apply what you have seen. We went to, uh, we went on a trip to Cuba. And when we went to Cuba, we were walking, me and uh, Eddie Barragan and Pastor Ricky Nutt were walking down the street in Cuba walking down the road, and uh, as we're walking, we look at a building, all these buildings downtown Havana, and when we get to a certain point, I look up, and I see the whole face of the building is missing, and all the bricks are down on the ground. There had been a hurricane, blown the bricks off the building. And then I recognize that it's the whole next set of buildings that we're looking at all the same. But as we're looking at it, I realize people are still living in there. <laughs> the people are all still in there. The front of the building is missing, but the people are still living inside the building. And something happened in my mind that changed me. Because once I saw it, I couldn't unsee it. See, sometimes in life, God will expose you to things for a purpose. He lets you see stuff, and once you see it, you can't unsee it. And you will have to try to bury it to not deal with it. But once you see it, you have a responsibility to respond to it. That is why many times when people drive down the street and they're homeless people, we can't look at them. Because once you see it, you can't unsee it. <laughs> you can't unsee what you see. And once you see something, it's knowledge. But once you see it and God reveals something, then it's revelation. Revelation. 
It's hard enough to not unsee things you know. It's really hard to unsee revelation that God shows you. When we talk about revelation, we're talking about a couple different things. Number one, things revealed by the Father and the Holy Spirit. Number two, it is the spiritual context or vantage point of information. In other words, you might see common information, but when you get spiritual revelation, all of a sudden it's not just what you see. You see what's behind it. You see the spiritual nature of something. You see what's behind it. You might see a mean person, and then one day you walk in, and, and the Holy Spirit gives you a revelation. You realize it's not meanness. It's hurt. And the Holy Spirit might reveal to you that the person who is so mean and so nasty all the time, they're that way because there's a wound in there and they're dealing out of pain. So you just found the question. What are you going to do with the answer you have? Application becomes that third phase when which you take what is revealed and you apply what you have available to it. It's that choice when you meet that nasty person. How many of y'all know some nasty people like that? (laughs) It's common, isn't it? We live in a generation of people who are dealing with lots of pains. Indebted, distressed, discontented, all out there. Application means that once revelation is received, it requires a step of faith on our behalf. A step of faith, to move out into faith. If you're in mindset two, then you're waiting to feel something. I see a need, but I'm waiting to feel it. I'll know God's telling me to do something if I feel it. Chair number three, if God comes and talks to me, then I'll do something because then I'll know for sure. Chair number four, I know God's got something for this. Lord, thank you for showing me exactly how to do it. How are we going to deal with this? How are we going to deal with this? Thank you, Father. You gave me an answer. I'm bringing you a question, so let's show me how to apply this quest, this answer of Christ in me, the hope of glory, to this issue that I'm dealing with this issue that this person is presenting to me, this challenge this person is dealing with, how do I apply Christ in me to this, what they're dealing with? Next comes manifestation, which is God revealing his purpose or his desired outcome. When we see God's promises brought to pass, we see harvest of efforts of our actions of faith, and we see God revealing not just outcomes, but what his will has been on a matter. So Tammy and I, we're getting ready to buy this house. So we, we uh, saw the house. We're all excited. Yeah, it's a really beautiful house. Send the picture of the house to my insurance agent. He said, man, this is like life thousands rich and famous, man. I said, wow. I didn't think it was like that, but yeah, okay. <laughs> we're all excited. I put my money down. I gave my deposit, our, our deposit. When I say I, I mean us. Two shall be one. So if I hear me say why I, it ain't me being me. It's me and us. We gave our deposit. We put the money down. We went on a trip. We went on the trip, and while we're there, we said, something ain't right. The Holy Spirit said, something's not right. Don't do it. But the, green, the lights were green. 
You showed us the favor of God. We saw your favor. We thought we heard you say, yeah, but now you're saying no. <laughs> Lord said, do not do it. And I told her, and the guy said, well, I can't, if your deposit's gone, I can't give you your money back. I said, 10000 you can't give me $10,000 back? <laughs> he said, no. The Lord said, let it go. <laughs> That's one of those. <laughs> is, that, is, that really, is that really you, Lord? <laughs> the Lord said, let it go. And so I called the man. I said, okay, look, um, even if I don't get the money back, we're not going forward. I was like, oh, I can't believe I said that. And we went on. And within 30 days, the value of the house went down 50%. Whoo! 50%. <laughs> wow. I said, man, that was worth 10000 <laughs> That's worth 10, letting 10,000 go. <laughs> Value went down 50%. Then it kept going. And probably about 60 days later, we got an a envelope in the mail with our $10,000 bag. It's like, wow. Whew. Thank God for obedience. Now, see, revelation came. The Lord says something's wrong. Don't do it. But now you're faced with a question mark. The question mark is, do I, do I go see about my money or do I listen to my God? <laughs> do I take care of my money right now or do I listen to God? Trust me, it's always better to listen to God. <laughs> Amen? Amen. <laughs> Second Corinthians chapter 4. See, when it comes to the point of application, here's what you have to remember. If you're going to be spiritually mature, the point of application is going to come when you first understand it's not you. See, if you believe it's you, then you're going to be in trouble. <laughs> you have to understand it's not you. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. It says, for it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness. Again, we're not talking about somebody small. We're talking about the God who makes light shine out of darkness. The creation of the world, there is no light. God said, let there be light. And God made light come out of darkness, out of nothing there. God made light. Now, if you, we don't believe that God made light, we've got to go back to Genesis 1, and let's start rereading the Bible. But the fact of the matter is, this is what Paul said. He's telling the Corinthian church. He said, you've got to understand, for it is the God who commanded light to shine out of the darkness, who has now shown in your heart to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. In other words, he's revealed his glory through Christ in us. The same God who made light come out of darkness, he has showed up and he is shining light on you right now. Through Jesus. He's bringing light into your life. He's bringing wisdom. Light represents understanding. If you are sitting in the dark and a light comes on, you get all kinds of understanding. 
My brother was driving on a dark road one night, and we didn't know where we were. <laughs> and we went all the way through. There's no street lights. We drove all the way through this thing, going up this hill. When we came back and saw that road, there was nothing but a big old cliff on the other side. In darkness, it's just a road. In light, revelation. <laughs> There's a cliff over there, man. <laughs> light tells the truth. So when he's saying it's him shown in your heart to give you the light, to give your spirit light, to give you light in your spirit, to bring understanding to your innermost being. That's what Jesus is doing with us. Look at the next verse. But we, we have the treasure of that light locked in an earthen vessel. <laughs> wow. That glorious light, that same power, we have it where? In this earthen vessel. So that the excellence may, of the power may be about God and not about us. The fact of the matter is, is that most problems that all of us face, the power has got to come from God to solve things. We can come up with a lot of answers, a lot of solutions for a lot of things, but ultimately it has to be God that shows up with the power. Amen? So my maturity is my awareness that I am not capable of fixing most of the problems in my life, so I'm going to stay in this chair so that God can be the power that works through me. We were, looking, we were looking at something right now, and I, and I was, I was uh, trying to figure out how to make something happen. And uh, we're trying to talk it out and everything else. And just as clear, the Lord said, you're going to have to believe me to do what you cannot do. Because I'm trying to figure out how to do something. So, you know, that mind is working. I, I'm going to figure this. I'm going to figure this out. I love a puzzle, so I'm going to figure this thing out. And God said, no, you're not. <laughs> you are not going to figure this out. You're going to have to stay in this chair, and you have to trust me. And then he started bringing me back all these thoughts. He started bringing me back my understanding. Remember when your money was on the line? Remember? I said, yeah, I remember. Now, he said, you remember when you bought the first house and you didn't have no money? Yeah, I remember. Now, you remember when this happened? Yeah, I remember. Yeah, I remember. I start remembering all the times God supernaturally did stuff for me that was not supposed to be able to do. He said, remember when you were working an entry-level job and I promoted you to, to the second tier of leadership in the organization? Yeah, I remember. I remember when I went from there to the top. I remember when that happened. He said, then why are you fretting and stressing over this? You remember when you, remember when you said you were feeling tired and you went to the hospital and they took your blood sugar and admitted you immediately because you were at 1,300? Do you remember that? <laughs> it's supposed to be lower than 100 for those of y'all who don't know. <laughs> you remember that? I said, yeah, I remember. Remember how you took a three-day snooze in the hospital? Waking people up, snoring in the hospital. Oh. <laughs> we had to move him to an independent unit. <laughs> I was out. You remember that? Yes, I remember. He said, then don't wait for me to visit you. Don't wait for me to manifest or show you something. Just stay over here in faith. 
Because faith is a substance of things. What you're hoping for is the evidence of the unseen. You can't see it, Derry, but I got you. But I need you to maintain an awareness of my presence because in my presence is the fullness of joy, dearie. In my presence, I bring you time of refreshing. You're stressing. I'm trying to refresh you. I need you to stay in this place. Now, if you slide, there's no condemnation because in the God, then the Lord showed me. He said, remember in the book of Romans chapter 12 where I said that there's a good, acceptable, and perfect will of God? He said, the perfect will's over here. But I'll accept you if you're over here. And it's good if you're over here. And no condemnation of those in Christ Jesus. He says, no levels in this, not levels. This is a matter, if you want my perfect will, then stay over here. And let my perfect will be brought to pass in your life. Get your fears under control. Manifestation is when the treasure in the earthen vessel gets released. (laughs) It's when the answer God has in you gets released and everybody else gets to see what was in you all the time. The treasure. We have this treasure in earthen vessels so that the excellence of the power may be of God and not about us. Awareness of the Spirit, awareness of God, awareness of His presence. All the time, the more aware you are, the more mature you are. The more aware that we are of the presence of God, the more mature we are in the things of God. And sometimes I went from being mature to being less mature. How many ever had a teenager in the house? Sometimes when you have a teenager in the house, you look and you say, they do something, you go, how mature. Wow, they finally got over the hump. Wow, they, they, they made it over. Look at them, look at what they're doing, this is great. And then you turn your back and, and they're looking at their siblings doing this. Wait a minute, I thought you got to maturity. I did. But sometimes I slide. (laughs) Sometimes it just feels good to act silly. Sometimes it feels good. I don't want to be responsible. (laughs) We do the same thing spiritually. Sometimes we're mature. Sometimes we're we're making faces at people. Amen? (laughs) All right. I got to tie this up. Jeremiah chapter 1. We've been looking at this passage multiple times. Jeremiah chapter 1. We're going to begin at verse 4. Jeremiah chapter 1. Remember, God's presence on us and God's presence with us is what brings maturity, not time. Not time. I can't say that enough. It's not time. Jeremiah chapter 1. And we're going to look at verse 4. Jeremiah chapter 1. 
Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, behold, I formed you in the womb. I knew you before you were born. I sanctified you and I ordained you as a prophet to the nations. Tell your neighbor before you were born, God had a purpose for your life. Amen. There was a purpose for you before you ever got here. Amen. God knew you before you were born. That's the first thing to understand. See, sometimes we walk around life feeling like we were accidents or feel like something, you know, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the black sheep of the family. Some people walk around thinking they're the white sheep of the family. What, you know, we believe certain things about us and how we got here. And sometimes if we didn't get here the way, quote, most people got here, then we think we're different or there's something flawed or something about us. But guess what? All the people who got here, quote, the right way, they were flawed when they got here. That's why they're sinners. I knew you before you were born. Verse 6. So Jeremiah is going to respond to God. God visits him and tells him, I knew you before you were born, Jeremiah. So what, do you, what is Jeremiah going to do? He's going to do the same thing you do if God shows up and talks to you. Oh, Lord God. Behold, I can't speak for I'm a youth. So what did he do? Jeremiah said, God, I can't speak for you because I haven't had enough time in. I'm not mature enough to be able to speak on your behalf. Did, now, wouldn't it be awesome if, if the next verse said that God, God responded and said, you're right, I'll wait till you turn <laughs> however age. I'll wait on you to get ready. Yeah, I'm sorry, I'm God, but this, you know, I made a mistake here. You know, yeah, you're right, you wait. <laughs> Verse 7, but the Lord said to me, do not say I'm a youth. You know what God told him? He said, don't confess your weaknesses to me. I already knew, I told you I knew you already. I already told you I know you. So now you telling me that you're a youth or telling me you didn't go to the right school or telling me you ain't been to Bible college or telling you you haven't been here or you haven't been there or you were born over here or whatever else your excuses are or whatever story you got, because I'm sure it's a good story. <laughs> you know what God said? Don't tell me that. I told you I know you already. You talking to me? Yeah, I'm talking to you. Me? Yeah, you. Him? No, you. <laughs> We've all seen that happen. Somebody's pointing at somebody. I'm talking to you. Yeah. No, no, you. I'm talking to you. No, no, who? Them? No. Do I have to come up? I'm talking to you. <laughs> Person is not going to change who they're talking to because you can't ex accept the fact that they're talking to you. Never mind. Yeah, yeah, them. No, you. <laughs> Tell your neighbor, say, he's talking to you. Amen. 
I cannot speak for I'm a youth, but the Lord said to me, do not say I'm a youth for you shall go to all I send you. And whatever I command you to speak, you shall. Do not be afraid of their faces for I am with you to deliver you. What did he say? Don't be afraid because my presence is with you. Don't be afraid because my presence is with you. Don't be afraid of their faces. You're going to say whatever I tell you to say, and you're going to do whatever I ask you to do. But guess what? You don't have to be afraid of obeying me because I'm with you. When God is with us, our fear needs to be put in its place. But God is always with us, so it's a matter of whether we're aware. Amen? All right. Real quickly, go to uh, Matthew 28. Matthew 28. Matter of fact, look at the screen because I'm, I'm running out of time. Look at the screen here. Matthew 28, verse 19. It says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. How many of you guys know what this is called? The Great Commission. The Great Commission to all Christians, go into all the world, preach the good news to every creature. That's the calling of the church. But the next verse says, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always. When? To the end of the age. I'm with you. God never tells people to do stuff without also guaranteeing them he will be with them. God never calls us to do something without assuring us that he's with us in the middle of it. He's with us in the middle of it as we go forward that he is there. Amen? Listen, we're going to turn to uh, 2 Corinthians. I've got to move fast. Since the presence of God is with us, we should have an attitude of yes. If we understand that the presence of God is with us, then we need to cultivate an attitude of yes. So we're going to look at 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 1, verse 18. Write that down. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. It says this, But as God is faithful, our word to you was not yes and no. Paul was telling the, he's telling the Corinthians, he said, you know what? Because we know God's faithful, we didn't say yes or no, maybe so. We didn't say that. Verse 19. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, by me, Silvanus and Timothy, was not yes and no, but was in him yes and in him amen. Amen means so be it. In other words, we got an attitude that we knew God is with us. We know who Jesus is. We know he's the answer. And you know what we say? We say yes to God. Yes to what he's calling us to do. Yes to doing what we have to do. Yes to taking responsibility. Yes to moving in the power of God. Yes to seeing God do awesome things among us. We say yes. Can you say yes today? Come on, let's go to Ephesians 3 and 20. I'm moving quick. Ephesians 3 and 20. Look at this. Now to him who's able to do what? Look at the screen. Able to do what? Exceedingly. And? Okay, let's stop right there. It's exceedingly and abundantly. Abundant was enough, but exceeding abundance. It's exceedingly and abundantly. It's abundant plus it's exceeding over abundance. 
<laughs> now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly, exceedingly, now to him who's able to do exceedingly and abundantly. Excuse me, it doesn't say exceedingly and, it says exceedingly abundantly. <laughs> I'm putting the and in there as no, no conjunction, it's one thought. Exceeding and abundantly above all that we or according to what? Mm. Not the power in heaven? Not the power in the sky? <laughs> the power that's working in us. Wow. Now to him who can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that's working in us. Tell your neighbor, say, us is we. Means you and me. <laughs> it's working in us. You know why you can say yes to whatever God calls your life to do? You can say yes because he's with you. You can say yes because the presence of God is with you. And I'm going to close with this. I'm going to close with this reality. Your blessing is with God. <laughs> right? Yeah. Would you agree your blessing is with God? Yeah. The blessing's always with God, right? Yeah. So where's your blessing? Where's the blessing? How do you release the blessing? I think everybody would agree. We would agree mentally that that's true. The blessing's in God and the blessing's in us. We all agree with that, right? So now it's a matter of my maturity. Can I grasp the fact that I can be here and the blessing can follow me all the time. The blessing can operate in me. The blessing can move in me. How do I get that out of me? How do I get it out of me? How do I get it out of me? That's the question. How do I get it out? How do I get it out? I believe it, but how do I get it out? You have to be baptized. Going back to Acts chapter 1. You have to be baptized. When I say baptized, I'm not talking about your baptism in water. The word baptism is the Greek word baptizo. Baptizo is what the Greeks would do to a piece of clothing. They would knit or weave out of something, and they would create dyes out of flowers or other substances, and they would create colors with those, and they would baptize the garment. So the garment would be white or gray or whatever from whatever it was made from, if it was made from wool or if it was made for something. So it would be that natural color, but then they would take it and they would baptize it. 
which means they would immerse it in the color and not remove it until it was the color they wanted. <laughs> See, when God is baptizing us, we're so caught on the words of thoughts of baptizing us with water, we miss the fact that we're baptized into Christ, which means that God takes us and he immerses us into Christ and he gives us and doesn't let us up until the answer is formed. <laughs> then when he brings us out, we are something looking for a question. <laughs> we are then changed and transformed, and now we walk around every day looking for the question that God has today. What's the question he has today? What's the question? And the question is, whoever comes to you with needs, whoever comes to you with something, the answer is Jesus. Why? Because I've been immersed in Christ. And when I came out of it, I am looking like him. And now I don't have to worry about how I get it out because it's what I am. So you can't get Christ out of you. You got to let Christ pour from you. Let's go back to the last passage again. And we're going to pray. Ephesians 3 and 20. Now to him who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Most of the time we think about that power being what God does for me instead of what God does through me. <laughs> See, I've been baptized in Christ. I've been immersed in Christ. And I continue the immersion process through my prayers. I continue the immersion process through my worship. I continue the immersion process staying under, staying under the die, staying under, letting me being changed. I stay under it by staying in those disciplines and staying under my prayer life, staying into keeping the word in my eyes and meditating on the word, getting it in my heart. That's my baptism process. I'm being immersed more and more. If I take you to a new language and drop you off there, when I come back six months later, you will speak habla espanol. You know why? Because you will have to speak it because you'll be immersed in the culture and you'll pick it up. Because you've been immersed in the culture. You've been baptized into the culture and so you come, I come back and you say, Buenos dias, Senor Moten. <laughs> Wait, how'd you get that Spanish so good? I'm living here. <laughs> I'm living in it so it just comes out of me. Woo, come on. I'm living in the Christian life. I'm living in the church. I'm living in the Bible. I'm living in the things around me. And so what happens when I get into challenges? It comes out of me. Because I'm immersing myself in the gospel. I'm baptizing myself. I'm putting myself under. And when I put myself under, my spiritual maturity comes because I'm sitting with God over and over and over again. I'm sitting in his presence. I'm praying in his presence. I'm worshiping in his presence. I'm giving him praise. I'm giving him glory. I'm reading his word. I'm getting revelation. And what's happening to me is I'm being transformed. And my maturity is going further than it was before. Not another level. Further. Further out. Amen? Amen. And guess what? That's how you're going to do. Because this is what God said. God said in this church, we're going to have people who are going to mature supernaturally. People are going to mature supernaturally. They're going to get hungry for God, and they're going to put themselves into the chair, and they're going to let God change them and transform them. That's what the Holy Spirit told us. And then somebody came and prophesied us and told us the same thing that we knew by God. So what was he saying? He's saying that there's people among us 
What else did he tell us? He said he was going to raise three millionaires in the room. How's he going to do it? Not because people pursue money, but because they pursue the kingdom. We're not, we, we, we pursue the kingdom and God adds everything else to us. So whatever our business is, we operate in our business with integrity unto the Lord and we let God put the blessing on it. Amen? God will put the blessing on it. God will put his blessing on it. Why? Because we're here meditating. Let him transform us. Change us. <laughs> God said we would have an institute. An institute where we train people. We train people to know and to grow and to go through not just knowledge, but see through to full manifestation. Amen? Amen. I want you to get hungry for that. See, if we get hungry for it together, then we'll press forward together. We got to get hungry for it together. We got a desire. We got a desire to see God move and be confident that he will indeed move because we put ourselves in position for him to move. Amen? Amen. Amen. Grab your neighbor's hand. Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for this word. And I thank you that this word would follow the hearts and minds of everyone here. We prayed and we sang today, Lord, we want you to be glorified. We want you to be lifted high. And we thank you right now that as we're praying and we're talking about maturity, spiritual maturity, we thank you that you're raising up a mature group of people. Hallelujah. We thank you that there are people in this room that are hungry for spiritual maturity, hungry to see you in a new way, hungry to be in your presence, hungry to be with you. We thank you that there are people in this room that are hungry right now to see transformation happen around them and in them right now in the name of Jesus. We thank you that you, Lord, are bringing forth a spiritual desire, Lord, a spiritual desire, a spiritual desire for revelation. Hallelujah. That we see what you see. Hallelujah. Thank you for allowing us to sit behind you and observe the game before you. Hallelujah. That we might learn and and grow in you and understand in a deeper way, Lord. I thank you right now for that desire in your people to know you in a deeper way. I thank you right now, Father, right now. Hallelujah. We thank you that you're solving problems. Hallelujah. Through revelation right now in the name of Jesus. You are bringing forth the answer. I thank you for the questions in our heart. You're answering them with Jesus. With Christ, you're answering everything in our hearts. We praise you and give you glory for these things right now. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hallelujah. Would you stand to your feet, please? Praise the Lord. Today's message was titled Spiritual Maturity from our series, The Presence of God. For more information about Abundant Life Worship Center, please feel free to check out our website at AbundantLifeWorship.net. On our site, you'll find more information about us, our church and events calendar, and other messages that may be of interest to you. Once again, the site is AbundantLifeWorship.net. You can also find us on our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash AbundantLifeWorship.net. God bless, and we look forward to seeing you on our next podcast. And until then... Remember that Jesus came to give you life and that more abundantly.